What do you eat for breakfast most days? Usually eggs, avocado, sometimes a banana with peanut butter on the side, and lots of coffee. What's your favorite go-to snack? Hummus with usually just like crackers or some ceramics. Do you have a favorite takeout food? I love all food, but I would say my favorite takeout food is pizza just because my husband loves it too and my daughter loves it. So cookies, cake, or pastry? Oh my gosh. Um, Cookies. Do you have any kitchen gadgets you can't live without? Garlic press, for sure. My KitchenAid stand mixer and a pastry cutter. Hey, Tedra. Hey, Jane. So today on the podcast, we're chatting with Sally McKenney. Sally's the baker, creator, photographer, and all-around girl boss behind the popular website, Sally's Baking Addiction. Sally lives in Maryland with her husband, young daughter, and two rescue dogs. She's written and photographed three best-selling cookbooks, published over 1,200 recipes, went on a 20-city national book tour, and hired two assistants to help her manage the business. In just eight years, Sally's worked hard to build Sally's Baking Addiction into a well-known, trusted resource for fellow dessert lovers who are all eager to bake from scratch. And it all just started with a simple decision to chronicle her recipes online. In this episode, we get a behind-the-scenes look at how Sally's Baking Addiction was started and what it takes to run her successful business. We talk recipes, motherhood, schedules, and the why behind some of the interactive blog tools that keep us all engaged, like Sally's Baking Challenge and Pie of the Week. Quick reminder, if you're listening on the go, don't forget to check out our show notes. They are on the website, and you'll get all the answers to the questions asked during the episode. You're listening to We Get to Know Podcast, and for years, we've all been following some of the most inspiring creatives, innovators, social media influencers, and bloggers. Simply put, we get inspired. The next best thing to following our favorite people is hearing their stories straight from them. So listen in as we get to know Sally. Hi, Sally. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk to you. I have a cousin who is an avid baker, and she just recently told me you're her like number one go-to. So to get to talk to you, I'm hoping she'll tune in and she'll listen and hopefully get some good insight into the, your background. Oh my gosh. That's so sweet. I'm glad she follows my blog. So tell me a little bit of background. Tell me, like, where did you grow up and where are you living now? And a little bit about your family. Sure. So I was born and raised in the suburbs of Philadelphia, and I have two older sisters. So we're a family of five. And then I currently live in Maryland. So I went to college in Baltimore and kind of just stuck around the Baltimore area. And then actually for a couple of years, I did move back to Philadelphia with my husband, and then we decided to move back to Maryland. So I've kind of been back and forth between Baltimore and Philadelphia, like my entire adult life. Where's your husband from? He's from the Baltimore area. Oh, okay. So you have family in both places, I guess. Yeah. we. I mean, we kind of just like go back and forth all the time since my family's there and his family's here. Yeah. So where did your love of cooking come from? Was there like a history in your family with of baking? Yeah. So my late grandmother, she was a baker and a cook, phenomenal cook. And she passed that down to my mother who passed it down to me. And it's just been instilled in me 
honestly, ever since I was really young. And a lot of my memories really just are in the kitchen, just like conversations at the kitchen table, making, baking, creating, just a lot of time spent in the kitchen. And my grandmother, she lived in Michigan. We visited her every summer. She had this sprawling backyard garden where she grew just like tons of fresh fruits and vegetables. And so just going with her into the garden, picking all the fresh you know, produce and then going back into her kitchen, picking cherries and, you know, pitting the cherries, making cherry pie. And just, it's just been instilled in me, honestly, since a very young age. And so it's just like second nature. I love the idea of just being like a little youngster and seeing like, where does the fruit come from? Where does the vegetables come from? And knowing and learning at an early age that it's not always the grocery store, you know, it's coming from the earth and to see that firsthand. Yeah. Especially when you're really young, it's just like, it's wonderful to see and have the recipes and things come to life, like completely from scratch. And I don't know, I think it's important that kids learn in the kitchen at a young age. Yeah, it's very impressionable. So you went to college. What did you major in? I majored in advertising with a minor in marketing. And I really had no idea what I wanted to do, but my friends were <laughs> were majoring and in, in minoring in those. And I was like, you know what? That sounds good. I feel like it would open a lot of doors in my future. So why not? I feel like I use a lot of that today, which is great. Yeah, that did come in handy. Yeah. So what was some of your early jobs? Like, did you have a classic nine to five, like straight out of college? I did. Yeah. So while I was in college, I was actually a waitress and at Chili's still like one of my favorite restaurants. Oh yeah. (laughs) And then when I graduated college, I actually waitressed for a little bit because I still just like was not sure what I wanted to do. And I actually found a job at a financial firm, just being an assistant to a team of financial advisors. And it's funny because I really didn't have a finance background, but I kind of fit right into it. And a lot of the beginning parts of the job were really just, you know, organizing schedules and things like that. I've always just really loved to organize. And so I kind of just fell into that career. And then I, you know, studied up on a lot of just finance and things. And then I, I just fell right into that job. And then four years later, I decided that I didn't want to do it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So four years in, did you switch careers or is this when you sort of started dabbling in the blog? Yeah. So actually while I was working there, I, um, sort of just needed like a creative outlet as I feel like a lot of people in their twenties need when they're working a nine to five job. And I really didn't have a ton of hobbies, but I've always loved cooking and baking, like I said. So I decided to start a blog just like on a total whim. And I always, you know, baked and cooked and things. And I would bring all of my desserts, cookies and cupcakes and things into work. And some of my coworkers, as well as like some of my friends and family are like, Oh, you should put your recipes somewhere. So like we can make them or, you know, we can see them or see, you know, what's in them and stuff like that. Uh, instead of just like, cause I would always just like email friends recipes, like, Oh, what are the cookies that you made the other day? Can you send me the recipe? My mom wants to try it or something like that. So I would just email them. And then they were like, Oh, it'd be so fun if you had like a place to put them. So I didn't really know anything about how to start a website or how to start a blog. But my friend at the time had a photography blog And so I kind of went to her and asked her how she like set up a website because I really had no idea. And she just gave me some advice and I just like clicked publish one day and I thought of a name and I was like, oh, Sally's Baking Addiction sounds good. I love to bake. And I really just pressed publish. And 
with literally no intention of it ever getting to where it is today. It was literally just a place for me to put recipes, like for my friends and family, not for strangers. <laughs> it's interesting because, you know, 20 years ago, I and mean, maybe maybe even longer, but like there wouldn't have been a centralized location where you could have done this and shared I that know. on the web. And so the idea that, you know, it's now like, it's something that someone can do to store their recipes or it can turn into like, what Sally's picky addiction has become today. It's just fascinating, like how it can work. You know, it really is. It really is. And sometimes I have to pinch myself and just like realize just how you can really earn a living today, just like completely online. It's absolutely magnificent and wonderful. I could not be more grateful. How long did you juggle like the blog and the working nine to five? Yeah. So the way I worded it before was kind of confusing, but I started my blog, let's see, it was uh, 2011. So I'd been working in my corporate job for two years and then I started my blog 2011 and then I quit my job to just focus on my blog full time in 2013. So it was like a little under two years later that I could get to a point where I could pay my rent and pay my bills on the money I was earning from my website. So I kind of just took like a leap of faith. Yeah. It's really fascinating. It's like, and to see like the potential for the future there for you to grow. Like if you gave all of your time to it, like what you could turn it into. I know. Yeah. So that's kind of what motivated me. And when I brought the idea up to my parents and like some of my friends, I mean, everyone was supportive, but they were kind of like, is she really going to do this? <laughs> is that really a good idea? And I mean, I would never do anything that like my friends and family didn't support and they were all about it, but I knew they were kind of just like questioning it because it was still so new. Like a lot of people really weren't doing the blog thing full time then, but I was so motivated and determined and I loved it so much that I knew if I had the full like 40 hours a week, not in the office, but at home working on it, I knew that I could really make it into something. And I've just always held on to that passion. I genuinely love what I do. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. So it's basically like, I mean, to get to do that for your profession, is just, it's incredible. Yeah. So when you started the blog initially, just like putting and storing your recipes, when did you turn the corner thinking, okay, like I want to start making maybe money from this or monetizing, like how long into the blog? I mean, did you start that right away or was that something that came down the road? I did not start it right away. I think I started putting ads on my blog, maybe like a little under six months after I started it. And cause really in the beginning, it was just like sharing with my friends and family. And, you know, I didn't really have the intention of it ever landing, you know, in front of like strangers eyes, like it was really just for, you know, people I knew. And so the thought of just really making money from it really didn't cross my mind. And then once I started to get more and more into it, and I was following more and more food blogs, and really just embracing the community, I, you know, realized like there are people out there making like money off of this, even if it's just a little bit each month, like, hey, why not? You know, mm -hmm. I honestly don't even remember how I started it which like company I used or anything like that, but I was able to get ad codes on my blog. And I remember I got my first paycheck from my blog, like eight months after I launched it. And it was for $80. And I was like, this is $80 that I like wouldn't have made, you know, like yeah. eight months ago. So I was just like gung ho, so excited all about it. 
I remember reading, I don't know if you are a fan of Gwyneth Paltrow or not, but when she started Goop, I think it was about 10 years ago. And she said like, I mean, even though she was like this well-paid actress and famous woman, she's like, when I got my first check for like my first ad, like on my website, she's like, it was like 50 bucks, but it was, I was so happy. You know, it's like, you create this yourself. Like it's no one else is doing it. It's completely self-generated. And to think like, okay, someone's paying me for this, you know, it's, it's cool. It's completely like just organic content that you built yourself and you've literally made that money by yourself. It's just, it's fascinating. It's amazing. Was there any like specific time or like a post that went viral or got picked up or that where you saw like a huge jump in like people following you or was just sort of always gradual growth? There actually was. It's funny you said that because there is actually like two points in time where that happened. So exactly one year after I started my blog, this was December, 2012, I posted two recipes. One is called cake batter chocolate chip cookies, which are like chocolate chip cookies with like cake mix. So they kind of taste like cake and cookies at the same time. And then another one was for candy cane puppy chow, not dog food. <laughs> People get confused when I say puppy chow, not dog food. It's like the muddy buddies, you know, like sure, the uh-huh. cereal and, yeah. and stuff. And I posted like a candy cane one cause it was Christmas time. And both of those kind of like went viral in terms of what viral was back in 2012. You know, Pinterest was just starting then. And I remember I was getting so much website traffic from Pinterest because my pictures were like all over Pinterest for these two recipes. And it got to be so big that my blog actually like shut down for an entire day because my blog could not handle the big splurge of traffic. Yeah. Yeah. So that's probably very exciting. I'm sure. It was very exciting. Like I remember I didn't go to sleep that night because I was just so excited slash really stressed out because my website was down and I didn't know anything about how to fix it. So I was like on the phone with my website server trying to understand really what's going on and what the solution was. But luckily everything was fixed and great. And then that one recipe for the cookies became so popular that it was actually the cover of my first cookbook, that recipe was. So they've been just like a super special cookie to me for the past um, seven or eight years. Oh, that's great. So one thing I loved about your blog or love about it is that it's like, it's interactive in a way. Like, so you have obviously what you would expect, traditional recipes, some savory, a lot of baking, breads, all that sort of thing. But I think what sets your website apart is that you do these interactive things. So it's whether it's the cookie palooza or the pie of the week. I mean, sort of tell me about how that came about and like your Sally's baking challenge. It's all basically bringing in the reader who also probably loves to bake and then engaging with them and like having these like little like short term contests or not even contests, but just, I mean, I guess experiences together, like that is genius to do and to like engage your audience. Yeah. You know, the internet is all about community, especially social media, just bringing people together and connecting. And something I love is baking. And that's what I put out there on my blog and my readers also are passionate about baking. So literally one day for the cookie palooza, which is like a Christmas cookie, you know, countdown that I do every year, I just get people really excited and excited about, you know, baking cookies and things for Christmas time. I literally just started that on a whim, like in 2013. So a couple of years after I started my blog, I was like, I'm going to do a cookie countdown this year. And then I just started doing it every single year. And now it gets to a point where readers are like asking me about it in June or July. Like, oh, I'm so excited for Cookie Palooza this year, even though it's still like six months away. And it's just become like so big and exciting. And I try to make it bigger every year. And it's just like so sweet that 
my readers remember these things and get just as excited as I am about it. And then I call them my like baking traditions. So that's one of them. And then another one is called Sally's Baking Challenge. And this is something I started a couple of years ago just to kind of bring the community together and bring the readers like onto my blog themselves rather than just, you know, commenting on the blog posts or, you know, interacting on social media, but to really bring them together and bake like a specific recipe each month and to have us all working on it throughout the month and sharing pictures and how the recipe turned out. Out, what flavors you used and things like that. And just using what we all love, which is baking to just bring us together. And the response has been magnificent. It's been incredible the past two years. I mean, now everyone look, I posted on the first of every month. So the baking challenge recipe and all of my readers get super excited towards the end of the month. Like, Oh my gosh, I can't wait for the next baking challenge. I, I wonder what it's going to be. And then they start like talking about like making guesses what it's going to be. And it's just so sweet and fun. And I get involved too in the conversation. And I like to post little like sneak peeks of what the next challenge is going to be. And things like that. So it's just been so fun. And honestly, I feel like I'm so lucky to have readers who are so vocal and who care so much. And I honestly hold that in such high regard. I'm so proud of it. And I cherish it like as if it were like my little treasure, like I protect it as much as I can, because I know that it's so rare to have such a wonderful, strong community, especially as a blogger, because, you know, a lot of people just comment on social media and stuff. And it's rare that people take the time to comment on blogs anymore, because there's so many ways that you can connect and reach people rather than just a blog. So I'm just, I'm so lucky that I have readers who love to chat and things like that. And I try to always respond to questions and things like that. And, you know, just because it's fun. That's like one of the best parts of the job. Yeah, I noticed in February you did homemade chocolate truffles, and I could not believe the response that you got. And I haven't obviously looked at all of them, but I was like, this many people are making these truffles and posting about it. I was like, that is a strong community. It's just like a fun thing to do together. I love that. It's so fun. And honestly, like, what's better than just baking, like, and dessert, especially truffles? Like, I mean, of course you're going to participate. It's chocolate. (laughs) So good. Hey guys, we're going to pause for a minute to tell you about one of our partners. Anyone interested in 30% off the best vitamins? We know health and nutrition is important to everyone. One thing that goes hand in hand with our health is supplemental care. We've partnered with Dr. C Vitamins to offer you a 30% discount off their premium pharmaceutical grade and medically endorsed line of supplements. All vitamins are not created equal. In fact, there is no FDA oversight for supplements. Unlike over-the-counter vitamins, Dr. C supplements are manufactured without commonly found synthetic ingredients. I mean, you guys, who wants synthetics going into our bodies? They're also non-GMO and gluten-free. Their standards are so high, these vitamins are actually manufactured just like a prescription drug would be in an FDA-registered facility. Most vitamins do not subject themselves to this level of oversight. People are always asking if we take these personally, and we do. I take the D3K2 combo to support bone health, memory, mood, and immune support, and their collagen biotin that supports strong hair, nails, and skin. And then when I'm having those nights where I'm having a hard time falling asleep and unwinding, I take the melatonin B6 combo, and it really helps me gently fall asleep naturally. So give them a try, you guys. Go to drccares.com, use our code WEGETTONOW, and save 30% on your next order. Now enjoy the rest of the interview. Something on your recipes that I like, you know, when you sort of 
well, I don't know about you, but like when I'm looking for a recipe, especially for a baked good, you never know, like, is this a dense cake? Is it light and fluffy? Is it like, it doesn't sort of like, you never know. I mean, the pictures look good and it's hard to tell, but you sort of have like this little punch list on your, any given recipe. So for like your blueberry muffins, it said like they're soft and cakey, the muffin top will grow tall and it's not dense. And I thought this is perfect because it sort of gives like your snapshot of what the final product's going to look like you know, yes. before you waste the time, like making something that may or may not be like what exactly the fit was, even if it is delicious. So I just think that's great that you do that too. I, I just thought the way you lay out your recipe post, just, I've never really seen anything like it before. It was really. Thank you. Yeah. So that's kind of changed over the years, just how I format my blog posts, because I kind of did like a little reflection a couple of years ago, like how can I make these blog posts just more helpful about what's at hand, which is the recipe. And so I kind of just started to talk more about the recipe itself, why it works, why it doesn't work, because honestly, that's what people want to see. They're there for the recipe. They want to see the pictures, how it comes together, things like that. And in this day and age, I feel like, you know, everyone's so busy, especially people who are baking and making homemade food and stuff. They want like a quick, easy, good dependable recipe. And so, and people skim these days when they're online, you know, you're on your phone scrolling and stuff, people skim, you know, it's rare that they'll sit down and read like a whole article unless they're 100% invested and interested in it. I personally, I mean, I skim and stuff like that, but Mm -hmm. I wanted to kind of condense the information down. And so people will know exactly what they're getting into before they even try the recipe. So I find that super helpful when I'm on recipe websites, I can see exactly what it's going to taste like and just kind of like condensed information. And then if I want to read more about it, I will. If I don't, you know, I'll skip right to the recipe. I love it. Well, you just started that by saying like you sat down and thought like, how can I be more helpful? And when I was reading your website, I felt that. I felt like this is so helpful. Like all this little information that you just have sprinkled around that just like helps the baker, especially like a beginning baker who maybe doesn't know their way around the kitchen very often or someone who's making a cake, you know, for someone's birthday for the first time from scratch. Those tips, and you also have a great tip section too. Like it is helpful. It's, I don't know, it's great. Yeah, for sure. I mean, baking can be intimidating. So I, you know, I think it's so helpful to just break everything down and, you know, show people who are interested in the recipes that, you know, you can do this and here's how, and here's every single step clearly laid out. And here's what it's going to taste like just because, you know, you don't want to waste your time. And especially if you're like nervous to try a recipe for the first time. You mentioned recipe development, and I think this is so critical. I will not name this hugely famous woman that we all adored in the 90s. I won't name her by name, but she was like the queen bee of all home and baking and all these sorts of things. And I bought a number of her books early on and her recipes did not turn out. (laughs) I just like, I realized I can't trust them. I can't trust what's in this cookbook. And so I didn't even realize what recipe developing was back then. But now I realize now, like, oh, I really appreciate someone that has a real commitment to recipe development because then I know I can trust that if I make it the way she tells me to make it or he, that it's going to come out the right way. And so I know you're really committed to that process. And I sort of want to talk a little bit about how you go about recipe developing. 
Yeah, sure. That's definitely a huge part of the job, especially if you're publishing recipes. You want to obviously publish something that you're proud of and confident in because really the only thing on the line is your reputation and how your recipes turn out. And my recipes are my career. So obviously I want to make sure that they're good, (laughs) that they're good and well-tested recipes. And also like I'm a busy person and I don't want to make recipes that won't turn out, you know, recipes I find online and in cookbooks. I get it, you know? So I try to just really spend a lot of time making sure that the content I produce, the recipes I produce are the best they can possibly be. And this, you know, is a time commitment. It does take most of my time, but it's fun. I genuinely enjoy being in the kitchen. It's probably is the best part of this job. I love creating in the kitchen. And over the years, I've really had a grown a better understanding of how recipes work and how different ingredients work. And then that's just come with trial and error. But I just want to make sure that I always provide the best possible recipes that I can. And, um, you know, there's a lot of mediocre things that come out of my oven and, you know, recipe disasters and things like that. If it's truly awful, then, you know, unfortunately it goes in the trash. But if it's something that can still be eaten, I usually just put it in the freezer or I wait, wait until unsuspecting friends come over. I'm like, Oh, give this a try. Tell me what you think. (laughs) But it's definitely a very important of my job. And I think that there's nothing more important than than making sure that your recipes turn out right. And you want to make sure you're very confident about it. So it does take a lot of ingredients and a lot of time, but it's definitely pretty imperative. Well, tell us what does the average day look like for you these days? I know you have a couple of assistants that you now have in your life that probably take some burden off of your shoulders, but I'm curious, like, what does it look like when you're baking? Do you bake every day? Like, I just sort of want to know like what an average day looks like and or maybe an average week, I should say. Yeah. A week would be better because every single day is different because there's just a lot of different things that are involved with my job. So I usually have one or two kitchen days a week. So I'm not just sitting, you know, baking every single day. I wish I could do that, but there's a lot more that goes into the job. Let's start with Monday. Okay. So Mondays are my computer days and I usually am just kind of catching up from the weekend, going through all of the blog comments that I received over the weekend, all the emails I received over the weekend, getting those answered and organized. And then I you know, just start working, you know, I always have a blog post that goes live on Monday. So I kind of just review the comments that came in for that recipe. I make sure that my assistants have what they need to post it on social medias. And then I kind of take some time to organize the photos in my editing software, make sure the photos are all, you know, organized and things like that, labeled and tagged. And then I kind of just work on the posts that are coming up for that week. And um, I usually have two new recipes a week. So I make sure the next recipe is good to go, all set. And then I kind of am just pretty much just working on the computer all day, working on upcoming content and things like that. And then Tuesdays are usually up in the air. It really depends on the weather because I shoot all of my food in natural light. So if it's rainy, it's particularly dark day, then I'll be on the computer again, or I'll be in the kitchen testing upcoming recipes. Wednesdays are usually always shoot days. If I didn't shoot anything on Tuesday, I force myself to shoot on Wednesday. Even if it's particularly dark outside, I'll just make myself do it because I need to shoot at least one or two recipes a week. And then, you know, while I'm shooting recipes, I'm also testing new ones. So Tuesdays and Wednesdays, 
if there are particularly nice days, I'm in the kitchen testing, photographing, things like that. And then Thursdays, we usually shoot videos. Um, we usually shoot one or two videos, like recipe videos during the day. When I say we, I mean my husband and I. And then the time that I'm not shooting videos on Thursdays, I'm testing in the kitchen or I'm just catching up on more computer work. Fridays, I only work a half day because I have a young daughter and we only have childcare through Monday through Thursday. So I usually am not working on Friday morning, but I'll work Friday afternoon and I'll pre- pretty much just catch up from the week and get ready for the next week. (laughs) Wow. I mean, it takes so much. People do not realize the amount of work it goes into because we see the glossy end product, right? We're not seeing the behind the scenes and like all the work it takes to get there. Just, I mean, hearing that week, I'm just like, it's a lot. It's exhausting. (laughs) It never stops, right? It's like, it just, the next week it all keeps going again and again and again. So I know you have a couple of assistants now. When did you get to the point where you're like, you know, it would be beneficial for me to have some help in these areas. Like how far into the process were you as far as like your business? So I, it was 2016 when I hired my first assistant. And so that was five years after I started my blog. Honestly, I should have hired one sooner, but I am just such a control freak and I was not ready. I should have earlier though, but I'm glad I waited until I did because I found the best assistant. Her name's Stephanie. She's wonderful. And this was when I still lived in Philadelphia and she lived, you know, local to that area. So we could do a lot of face-to-face training and things like that. And in the beginning, I remember I was so nervous to give her things to do because I had been doing it myself for so long. So it was scary. Mm -hmm. And so it took, you know, a lot of time for me to adjust. And then I slowly kept giving her more and more. And then within a year, I hired a second assistant because I was like, this is fun. If they can do X, Y, and Z, and I have more time to create the content, then that's awesome. That's wonderful. So we were a pretty good team. Both assistants are virtual though. Like we don't live near each other. I love how you're like, this is fun. Like actually, I think because I have a tendency to be a control freak too. And once you realize like, you know what? Delegating is freedom. You get people that you trust. And then it really does open up your life to be able to do more of what you actually want to do. So it's great. Oh my gosh. It was amazing. (laughs) Did you have a big adjustment after Noelle was born? Like, Oh my gosh. Yes. I can imagine. It was so hard and so wonderful at the same time. It was definitely a big adjustment. Obviously, when you have a newborn, it is such an adjustment, but it was really hard for me because I work from home and my business is so personal that I also kind of had just like a mental conflict. Like I want to be working, but I it feels selfish to be working because I also have my daughter and it was just kind of hard for me in the beginning for the first six months to tell myself, okay, no, I need to work. This is a job just because, you know, it's a personal, it's not a personal blog. It's a food blog, but it is a personal thing that I've created. So it felt just a little selfish to be doing it. And especially working from home, it's not like I was going to an office or anything. So I just had so much guilt when I would work. And I just really had to sit down and talk to myself and just remind myself like, no, this is important. I'm supporting my family. You know, I need to be working and doing this. So it was a really big adjustment and we waited a while to get childcare in place because we were just going to see how long we could go without it. And we quickly realized when she got more and more mobile, like, Hey, we need help. We need to make sure that we're, you know, giving her the attention that she needs and also getting our work done to, you know, make our lives continue on. So it was a little crazy for a while, but we've just adjusted and made things work. And honestly, in the past year, so she's, 20 months. So in the past year, 
we've really, really just like gotten a great grasp on things. And it has been the best thing for my business, honestly, because we finally have like a schedule, like a forced schedule because we only have childcare for certain hours. So it's honestly just been so great for my business to have some sort of balance and organization. Because when you own your own business, like when you're a content creator, like you really don't have to stop ever. Like you have to force yourself to stop working. It's been wonderful in so many regards. That's great. That's what a nice positive spin there. Yeah. Has there ever been a time where you wanted to stop or just like, I cannot anymore or pause? Like, cause it is just an ongoing thing. Every Monday, same cycle, started again, started again. And obviously you have a great, great passion for it. And you said you love what you do. So I think that's incredible that you still have that viewpoint after all this time. Was there ever a time you thought about walking away or just like, I can't do it anymore? Yes, actually probably a year ago, like exactly a year ago, my daughter was six months old and we were just starting to get childcare in place. And it was just so much. And it was, you know, a lot of different things were going on. We were starting to shoot more recipe videos ourselves because, you know, video has just become so important for recipes and food blogs and things like that. And so we were, that was overwhelming me getting started with shooting recipe videos. And then we were also trying to get childcare in place. And then I just didn't feel good about the content I was producing because I felt like I wasn't giving it my 100%. And I just kind of fell into a hole and I was like, I am having such a hard time with this, like such a hard time. Like, what can I do to make this better? And honestly, that's kind of when I just like sat down, chatted with my husband and we really kind of just made a plan. Like these are the changes we're going to make. And let's just like maybe bump down to just one new recipe a week for a while. And then just like get our bearings and then like, just go back full force. And it has honestly been the best. And I even reached out to some like fellow food bloggers for advice. And I went on like a little food blogging retreat last fall. And it was so amazing. I came back so inspired, so motivated with new ideas. And I was just ready to tackle last year's Q4, which is like my busiest time of year. And it's been wonderful ever since. Like, so I'm a huge supporter of like taking a break, like you know, just stepping back and reevaluating and just like thinking things through because I like always go on an impulse, but like I really needed to just like take some time and like think and make a plan. And so I'm a full supporter of just like stepping back, figuring things out before jumping back in. That's great. You mentioned your husband helps you with the videos on Thursdays. Is he involved in your business in, in that way or any other ways? Yeah, for sure. So he works full time for Sally's Baking Addiction and he does all of, yeah, he does all of the business stuff that I don't want to deal with. (laughs) Um, You know, everything from like payroll for our assistants and just, you know, communication with our ad networks and all the business side. Yeah. Really all the business side. There's a lot that goes into it on our taxes. So he studied accounting. So literally all of our taxes, it becomes complicated when, you know, you own your own business. And honestly, I don't understand half of it. So I'm so glad that I haven't. I mean, he's just like, he's going through receipts. He's like, I mean, I can't even fathom doing that on top of everything else that I have to do. It's a great so team. I'm, yeah. Yeah. We're a really good team. People are like, how do you guys work together? I'm like, honestly, we don't really even talk to each other during the day. Like he's doing his own thing. I'm doing my own thing. And I don't know, it just works. And then video days are Thursdays and 
Oh, he's also during the week, like he's editing last week's videos and stuff. So he's there's a lot of stuff for him to do. And I don't know, we just, we work really well together. We just like have a mutual respect. Like each one brings really important things to the table as far as our business goes. So no, it just works. It sounds like it does. And it sounds like because you both have like your responsibilities that you are doing. And so you don't have to worry about him trying to come in and like, say like how you should make your cookies. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> and you're doing yours. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> so I want to get like just a couple like quick, like tips that you would give to like a beginning blogger and maybe, you know, it seems like if you sat back and looked like it, maybe it's a saturated market, But I mean, there's a lot of people that have the viewpoint, like there's room for everyone. So like, what would you tell someone who's maybe just starting out? Okay. So I would tell them not to get overwhelmed, just do one thing at a time and focus on one thing at a time. Because I mean, you just heard me, there's so many things, so many hats that you have to wear when you're doing this. And so I would just say like, do one thing at a time, perfect it, move on to the next thing. And eventually you'll have everything done, ready to go. And honestly, you'll be a pro in no time. But another thing that I would actually say to new bloggers is to don't get into the comparison trap because I found myself in that spot a few years ago, just comparing myself to other bloggers and what they were doing and like, Oh my gosh, they're so good at this. And I just like, cannot compete, not compete, but I just can't compare and things like that. And so never compare yourself. Someone actually once said this to me, like, don't compare someone your beginning to someone else's middle or like someone else's like high point, you know, like you're just starting out and there's no way that you can compare what you have to what they've built over several years. Like we all have to start somewhere. Like there's no comparison that needs to be made. So, I mean, you're only just setting yourself up for failure when you do that. So just don't get involved in comparison trap. And for me, you know, sometimes that still rears its ugly head and I just like see everyone else's photos. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I want my photos to look like that. They're so perfect and beautiful. And I just, at some point I just like have to turn off my social media. Like I just like don't go on Instagram for a day or I don't spend time scrolling. Cause you know, you get like in the trap and you just keep scrolling and looking and stuff like that. And I never want to compare myself to others because everyone is so different and everyone can bring different things to the table. So, you know, just don't get into that trap. Don't start that awful cycle of just comparing yourself to others because what you have is so much different than what someone else can create. Well, and the irony is that, I mean, how many people are looking at you and wanting what you have? You can always look at someone else, you know? I mean, it's never ending cycle. Yeah. Yeah. We're all doing it for sure. Okay. So I want to talk about a couple of things I ran across on your blog. Sure. Jalapeno cornbread muffins. I mean, yum. Oh yeah. Those Those are pretty good. Like you wouldn't think savory muffins are kind of like unexpected, but I mean, it's cornbread. So it's so good. I love cornbread. I love cornbread too. And so we always share when we have a guest on the podcast, we always share like one of the recipes, like once this episode will come out. And so right away, I knew exactly what I was going to do from yours is your strawberry cake. So Julie, who you've been speaking to in prep for the show, she, as long as I've known her and we've known each other since we were 13 years old, she is a strawberry cake, like addict. So she has every year for her birthday, like without question. Now her children all have it. Like, it's just like their thing. And so as soon as I saw it, I was like, okay, we have to share her strawberry cake recipe. A, because oh it gosh. looks insane. Amazing. And B, in honor of our little friend, Julie. So tell me about that cake. It looks so good. 
Oh, thank you. I will gladly talk about that cake because I am a big fan of that cake. And I'm also super proud of it because it took me a while to get it right. So basically that strawberry cake is unique in that it doesn't use any fake strawberry flavoring. The whole thing is made with just real strawberries. So there's a couple extra steps in the actual cake batter. So you need to reduce down real strawberries. First, you need to puree them, like get fresh strawberries, you know, rinse them, cut them, puree them into like a nice thin consistency, and then reduce that puree on the stove until it's super thick and super concentrated. And that thick concentrated strawberry reduction will be the flavor in the cake. Mm. So that's what's flavors the cake. Like there's no strawberry extract or fake strawberry flavoring or strawberry powder or anything like that. It's just real pure strawberries. And then the cake also is made with just all egg whites. So it's really light and fluffy Mm. and it just pairs really well with the, you know, sweet strawberry flavor. And then the frosting is interesting because I've always had trouble with strawberry buttercream and Putting real strawberries into a buttercream, which is butter-based, has always been pretty tricky for me because the butter would always just like curdle and just like not be very appetizing because, you know, strawberries are so wet and moist. So I started making strawberry powder from those freeze-dried strawberries, you know, like freeze-dried strawberries. Uh Yeah. Yeah. So if you grind them into a powder, they can kind of take the place of powdered sugar and frosting. And so just replace some of the powdered sugar in my vanilla buttercream with this strawberry powder. And it makes phenomenal strawberry buttercream. I mean, it's so good. The texture is fantastic. It's so creamy. And then the flavor, it's pure strawberries, like pure strawberries. It's so good on top of this cake. So definitely one of my favorites. Well, Julie's birthday is in September. I'm going to make it. I want to make this cake. It looks so good. I'm going to also have to eat it too, but I'm going to make it for her. Okay. And then also, I know you love your sprinkles. Your confetti sugar cooking. Mm, mm -hmm. This just looks so good. Honestly, at this point, I don't even know which cookies you're talking about because I have so many cookies with sprinkles in them. (laughs) But like, yes, I have tons of funfetti, tons of sprinkle cookies. I've always loved sprinkles. They've just always been such a fun addition to desserts. And I realized that, you know, very pretty quickly that my readers enjoy sprinkles too. I mean, they're just fun. Like who doesn't love like a sprinkled donut or something like that, you know, a sprinkled cookie. So I, and I love colors. So I just love incorporating them into desserts and things like that. Oh gosh. I could go on and on talking about all of this delicious food. And you have some really great savory things on your website too. Oh, and thank like you. breads, like bagels and breads. Yes. And I mean, delicious. Before I pass you off to Jay to do our fun Ask Everyone questions, I wanted to talk about your cookbooks briefly and tell me, like, I want to know how did that come about, like the first one? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, this was 2013. I was actually still working in my previous job and I received an email. So I never had an agent or anything like that. I'm pretty lucky. I actually was pretty much like just found by my editor. She enjoys baking and she searched for a recipe online and landed on my website and she made the recipe and she found my email and emailed me and she said, Hey Sally, you know, I tried this, you know, recipe from your site. I loved it. I actually love the content that you're putting on your site and I'm an editor for this publishing house. And I'd love to talk to you about the potential of writing a cookbook one day. And I read that email when I was at work and I, I fell off. Oh, my I, chair. Like I, literally, <laughs> I mean, I could not believe my eyes that this email just showed up in my inbox. You know, I thought about it for a while, how to best respond. Cause I was just like, so blown away by this. 
when you're sitting at your desk at your financial yes. office business, you're yes. probably like looking around at people and like, people, people, do you understand what's happening? I I know, I know, I know. And so I was all about it. I mean, I responded and I was like, yes, yes, yes. A thousand times. Yes. And, um, you know, we just got to chatting and I got to know her a little bit. She got to know me a little bit. We got the contract and everything ready to go. And, you know, before I knew it, well, actually right after I signed the contract, it was at that time though, that my blog was really starting to really pick up. And I was like, I think I need to quit because I can't, write this book. If I'm serious about writing this book, if I want to write this book, and if I really want to make this blog into something big, I can't do all three. Like I can't do all three. I can't work this job. I can't do this blog and I can't write this book. Something has to go. Mm -hmm. And that was when I really started to toy with the idea of quitting my full-time job. And so you know, that's when I essentially quit, you know, a couple of months after that. And I dove headfirst into writing this book. I wrote this book in only five months, my first book. I don't know how I did. I wow. photographed the whole thing myself. I don't even know how I did. I mean, I didn't sleep. This is before I had kids or anything. Like I just like had a lot of time and it was so motivated because I just quit my job. And it's just so crazy how it came to life. And since then I've published two more books and they're all, um, the first one, Sally's Baking Addiction. So it's the name of my blog. The second one is Sally's candy addiction, which is, you know, just all candies and things like that. And then my third one is Sally's cookie addiction. So it's all cookies. So my readers were super excited about that one because cookies are like the most popular category of recipes on my blog. So that was a fun one to write for sure. So fun. Um, That's amazing. You have three cookbooks. Incredible. Yeah. It's, they're a lot of work though. Like you wouldn't think how much work they are. They are a ton of work, especially if you're, no, I, I'm not not (laughs) a cookbook fanatic. I love cookbooks and I very much can imagine it must be so much work. I mean, just to come up with the recipes and then the photography and writing it all. I just can't even imagine. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Okay. So before I give you to Jade real quick, just, I have one quick question from my cousin, Shannon, who I was telling you about earlier. She wanted to know, who do you love to bake for the most, like in your personal life? Um, honestly, just like, I love to make birthday cakes. Like if this is a recipe that's not for my blog or anything, like I'm literally just baking for fun. I love to make birthday cakes. I love to make for a special birthday party, like my friends, kids' birthdays, or my nieces and nephews' birthdays, things like that. I love to make birthday cakes on those because they're so special. They're special birthday cakes. So yeah, that's not for a particular person, but that's like a particular thing I like to make. Yeah. And who doesn't love getting a personal handmade birthday cake from scratch? Yeah. Okay, Jade. So come on into the conversation. Hey, ladies. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Sally, where are you in Maryland? So we are north of Baltimore. So just we're kind of in between Philly and Baltimore. So yeah. Okay. I'm in Alexandria, just outside DC. I was like, oh, yeah. well, she's close. Yeah. We're kind of the opposite <laughs> sides of Baltimore though. Like, <laughs> right, yeah. right, right. Opposite ends. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's get into some fun, ask everyone questions. Okay. What are one or two great tips you can share with the listeners? And it could be about anything, life, blogging, motherhood, whatever. Okay. Oh, it can be also be about motherhood. All right. So then let me do two tips. So the first one I'm going to do, since we were just talking about blogging and things like that, is one thing that I've been really trying to think about lately is to post content that I am genuinely proud of. And I will give that advice to anyone if you're a content creator, is to post things that you genuinely feel good about. Because if it's not organic, 
people can see that it's forced, like that it's not coming from you, not coming from the heart. And so I've tried to really just remember that lately as I'm building content and things like that is just make sure that you can look at it in a year and be like, I'm so proud that I did that. I'm proud of that still. That's one thing that I would say. And then let's just do like a motherhood tip. So I don't want to give parenting advice to anyone just, you know, because everyone can, you know, does their own thing. But motherhood advice would be don't feel guilty or selfish for taking time for yourself because a happy mom is a happy household (laughs) and a happy family. So don't, yeah, don't feel guilty about, you know, doing something for yourself, whether that's like a hot bath or just like binge watching TV for an hour or reading a book or, you know, going out and getting coffee and just like sitting in a coffee house by yourself. Like don't feel guilty about, you know, doing something for you. Okay. What's something people would be surprised to know about you? So I'm very outgoing. Like I'm a very outgoing person, but I actually get pretty bad social anxiety, like right before being in large groups and situations. Yeah. Like you wouldn't, if I'm in a crowd of people I know, like some of my friends are like, why are you like, you know, getting nervous and stuff like this? Like you're really outgoing and friendly and things like that. But it's really just when I'm going into a group of people that I don't know. I just like, I need to have like a quiet moment before and just like center myself before like diving right into the crowd. I just get really, you know, nervous and panicky a little bit. And I kind of just need like a quiet moment and just like take a deep breath and you got to do the Superman yeah. pose. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> and then once I'm in, once I'm in it, once I'm in the crowd, I'm fine. Like, it's just like those like 10 minutes before that I'm just like, oh my gosh, like I just get really nervous, but it's something well, I yeah. think you're not alone. Yeah. I think so many people, so many people feel that. I think it's pretty common, but like, you just wouldn't know it about me because I come off as pretty like outgoing and social. And you're well-spoken. So yeah, it is surprising. Yeah, yeah. How do you like to decompress? So I love lighting candles. So lighting some candles, laying on the couch, not watching TV, just like literally just laying on the couch with my dogs and just like, I don't know, snoozing, taking a nap. <laughs> love it. Yes. <laughs> Who are three people you love to follow on Instagram? So let's see. Beyonce, my girl, Beyonce, love Beyonce. There's one account called busy toddler. So it's like a mom account, but I love following this like blogger because she always posts activities for toddlers and like young kids. So, um, I just get a lot of like little inspiration for like little activities for my daughter from that account. I love her. And then Ellen, Ellen DeGeneres. Love, love Ellen. Yes. (laughs) Best. Best. Okay. So excluding social media, do you have a favorite app? Okay. I don't know if this counts, but Amazon, sure. <laughs> my Amazon app, my Amazon Prime all the time. I need to I hear you. have a pretty bad addiction. Yeah. <laughs> so did you have a book that you loved and couldn't put down? So I actually like don't read books. I wish that I did. I wish that I read books. I wish I was cool and like sat down and read books. I just like don't have time between like my daughter, my dogs, my work. And hopefully someday I'll be able to just like sit down and relax with a book. But I feel like I just like don't have time right now. I wish I did. I wish I did. You know what? It's so true. It's so true. I'm a mom as well. And I was just at my daughter's ballet practice. And one of the moms brought in all these hand-me-down books. And she was like, would you guys want them? You know, she was going through the stories and they're so great. And we all looking at each other like... 
I mean, <laughs> I don't want to admit this, but I don't know how I'm going to ever have time to read them this summer. I wish and then I did. Yeah. Okay, so do you have a favorite city? Okay, so I have a couple of favorite cities. Like I love San Francisco. I love Chicago. Love, love, love Chicago. Let's see. I love Cleveland, Ohio, which may be like a random answer, but one of my dearest friends lives in Chicago, in uh, Cleveland, and I visit her maybe like once a year. And I always get, I don't know, I always get so sad leaving because she's like one of my dear friends from college. Like we're attached to the hip. We were attached to the hip, but now we only really get to see each other like once a year. So It's always so nice spending time with her. And Cleveland's like a really fun city. It is cool, actually. I used to live in Dayton way back in the day. Cleveland is cool. Surprisingly cool. Very fun. Do you have a current Netflix addiction or Amazon? Ooh, Ozark. I love Ozark. And I'm anxiously waiting season three. I cannot wait. Oh, and I also really liked Narcos. So we watched that like a year or two ago. I love Narcos. Do you have an all-time favorite beauty product? Yes. So I am a skincare junkie. I'm obsessed with having a solid skincare routine. Like I'm the person telling my friends, like, you need to make sure that you have a solid skincare routine. Yes, tell us. <laughs> what are you using? <laughs> um, so my skin is like kind of pretty dry. So I love a good moisturizer. And one of my favorites, and I've been using it for a couple of years, and I swear it works really well. So the brand is called Image Skincare. And the moisturizer is called Vital C Hydrating Moisturizer. It has like vitamin C, which is good for your skin. I mean, I'm not a pro at this, but like I hear it's good <laughs> for your skin. And um, it smells so good. It smells like oranges. And my skin is always like so soft and moisturized and like smells so good. And it's just like, it stays that way like all day. So I love me a good moisturizer. Who would you love to have coffee with? Oh my, Chrissy Teigen. Oh my gosh. Wait, listen, yes. listen, listen to this. <laughs> Chrissy Teigen literally tweeted me a couple months ago. What? Like, I'm not kidding. <gasps> she Were you mind blown? It was over the weekend and I don't really check Twitter that much on Sundays. <laughs> and so I didn't know that she tweeted me until the next day. Oh and she tweeted me and she said, that she loves my blog. Shut the front door. Goes, I can't remember how she worded it. Obviously, I took a screenshot of it and we'll save it forever. Yes. But she said that she doesn't really bake that much and that my recipes make her look like a rock star. She said something like that. Like, my recipes make her look good. Uh, I shared it with everyone I know, like, obviously. And oh, I was oh. freaking out. I was freaking out. I was like, well, I'm going to retire now that Chrissy Teigen likes my blog. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I can't even believe it. That's so amazing. I love her. Her cookbooks are amazing, too. She's like, amazing. You know, it's like, don't second guess that girl. Like, those cookbooks are legit yeah, like she's, good stuff. She's pretty fierce. She's pretty fierce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And hilarious, so too. Great combo. Do you have a celebrity crush? I would say Chris Pratt. I mean, mm-hmm. not, I know. Nothing compares <laughs> to uh, an awesome sense of humor, and his looks, like, aren't too shabby either. He's He's pretty awesome. Could not agree more. Okay, so do you live by a motto? Let's see, a motto. Yes, I found one a couple years ago. Don't be the best, be the only. Yeah, very good. Do you have a biggest pet peeve? Pet peeve, when people bite their nails. I just like can't look at it. Like it hurts my nails when I see people biting their nails. Like my nail buds actually start hurting. (laughs) (laughs) 
What meal would you choose as your last meal? Last meal. Okay, so it will be a medley of favorites. So I'll just list a couple of favorites. So this is random, but a crab cake. I love crab cakes. Like I love crab cakes. I love sweet potato fries, corn on the cob. Like that could be my little meal. And then a big, big, big slice of a deep dish apple pie with vanilla ice cream on top for dessert. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Okay, Sally, loving all of this. One last question. Tell us what your greatest life advice has been. Okay, so my dad always said this to me when I was just starting, like after I graduated college, I was just starting in the workforce. He said, work hard and be irreplaceable. You know, just like embrace your unique self. When we conform, all things that make us a valuable person are basically sucked out. So make sure that you Mm -hmm. are just irreplaceable, like especially in your job, like you never want to need to be replaced, you know? So just make sure you stand out and do something different. Yeah. I love that. I think, I feel like my dad gave me some version of that as well. And it's just been great foundation. Yeah, definitely. Okay, Sally, I can't thank you enough for taking time out and just telling us your story and being so real and open and honest about your life. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. Absolutely. Have a great one. Okay, you too. Thank you. Okay, Jade, so time for a little host-to-host chat. Mm-hmm. So I'm working on decluttering my apartment. All um, right. I'm Melissa from the Faux Martha. It's been in the back of my head that like I've brought things into this apartment for three years, and I haven't taken anything out. So it's just everything's getting a little tighter. All the drawers are a little fuller. Like all the cabinets a little like less negative like white space that she talked about on that episode. Mm-hmm. And it's, how do you do it? I mean, how do you decide? Like, because you get gifts and you purchase a few things. And then it's like, how do you decide what to get rid of? Well, this is one of my big problems is that I like everything that I have. <laughs> right? When I moved right. from San Antonio to Austin, I did a massive purge. And I got rid of things that I really, really liked, but I just knew I couldn't bring with me. Mm-hmm. And it was like, if it was on the fence, I got rid of it. And so now I'm left with like all my favorite things. And so it's really, really hard now. Cause I'm like, I actually would be getting rid of something that I truly, truly love. And so it's like your top 10% stuff. <laughs> I know. So I don't know what to do. I mean, well, what I have done is I just, you know, like you pick up like a mug here or mm-hmm. an extra glass here, or like you have a few extra bowls that you pick up cause they're cute. Just getting rid of all that stuff. It's like, actually I'm putting it in a small little store. Which is the worst. Well, that's good. I mean, if you end up in a house later, a bigger space, you might want that. Yes. Yeah. I always think, like, you know, once I purchase a home or a condo, mm-hmm. then I will make a massive purchase. I'm not going to have a storage unit once I permanently into a space. So we'll see. You'll have a lot more room, too. I mean, I'm in the same headspace, too, because we're about to move. So I'm just like in purge mode. I mean, just going like room to room and <laughs> anything that's not. It's almost Mary Kondo style. Like, if this isn't striking some joy, it's gone. <laughs> Can I sell it? Can I get rid of it? It's good for the soul to do that, for sure. It really is. All right, word of the week, declutter. We want to thank you for listening today. And if you like the show, we'd love for you to head over to iTunes and give us a positive review. You can find us at wegettoknow.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter and on social media at We Get to Know. Head over to Instagram. We'd love to hear from you and get your opinions on guests and show ideas. Our music is provided by the talented Blake Atwell of Studio 1916. Until next time, take care as we continue to get to know all of our favorite people.